Okay. All right. You you redlined that, son. Like, Did I? Just straight up, yeah. Yeah, I heard it go. Hey, whenever I get going, you can't hold me back, son. Can't hold me back. Uh, you need to hush up a little bit. Turn that <laughs> knob down is what you need to do. We can't be putting up with this. Everybody thinks people starting to respect us just a little bit. We don't need to be throwing it away. Hey, about, who knows? About, about, <laughs> all right. All right. So every time we do a podcast and we have a guest on who, who doesn't really know what to think of us, like they're like, oh, who are these guys? Yeah, yeah. They they jump in there and then they hear all that and they're like, oh, 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 these guys are serious. <laughs> and so and then they hear us talking, they go, oh well, not that serious. So. Right. All right. So I am your host, the Sasquatch, and joining me is the man, the myth, the legend. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. The guy I can smell from basically a full county away because he's a Yeti. The Yeti. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you nasty <laughs> joker. They got why soaked is, why, now. Why does the Yeti got to be nasty? Because he doesn't wash. He doesn't wash. Uh, this one's going to wash, son. I can tell you that. <laughs> I got to have indoor plumbing, and I'm thankful. I. Uh, what kind of what kind of what kind of Bigfoot are you? <laughs> a squeaky clean one. All right, so. We have a special guest. Uh, if you're watching us, you already see him. Uh, his name is Mr. Tim. No, no, no. Let me phrase that. I say Mr. because I've, I've just been saying that the last day, but it is Pastor it right. Tim Dupre. Not Dupre. I was corrected on that the other day. Dupre. 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 That's it. Right. So are you some, and, and, and let me ask you this, and this is, if it's too personal, you just say, shut up. And then I'll hush. Okay. Are you Samoan? Yeah. Samoan, Chinese, and white. Okay. Yep. Samoan, Chinese. What, what is, what, do they have a Bigfoot thing? Do Samoans have a Bigfoot thing? No, Samoans generally are Bigfoots. So yeah. They're, yeah. They're, uh, <laughs> we are a, uh, we are a, we, we, we are a big in people. Yeah. 12 bucks. Yeah. 10. I'll give it to you for 10. Sorry, obviously, I'm at my place of work. <laughs> one more hat. Yeah, Juan, you get that one for 10. Thank you, bro. Very nice. You got straight respect for a man. <laughs> That's just handle your business. Handle your business. <laughs> Dollars, yo. Um, I got a yeah, stack those, of ones. Yeah, Samoans are, are, are big boned people, you know? Yeah. Big boned. Yeah. How about um, the Chinese? Have they got a Bigfoot thing? Yeah, Chinese are massive. They're huge. No, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, yeah, Chinese are like uh, basically like I get my spotty beard from them. You uh-huh. know, they're kind of like a hairless people, you know, and uh, so I got some spottiness from them. <laughs> then, then my dad's side, I say half white because my dad, he's a uh, he was a uh, French background, French background, you know, East Texas, Louisiana generations by three or four generations. But they came over uh, from France a long time ago. That's how I got the Dupre okay oh nice okay. that does make sense i was like it's dupre right Samoan? is that a samoan name is that samoan <laughs> doesn't sound like an islander <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh we brought you up here because we met for the first time last well just saturday last saturday 
and and our churches came together we had a big old meal had great fellowship and uh we wanted to take the opportunity to get to know you better and what better than doing it you know in front of a hundred people with you know on a podcast (laughs) and (laughs) but but yeah had such a wonderful time um and just just we know you're a church planner um we we are starting to lose that title i suppose this church plant we do have a building so i don't know if that's i don't know what's the technicality of what makes you uh or not right. but um we're still struggling so i've I, had I, the same amount of people struggling yeah you're still yeah. a church plant then yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're still struggling if you get a building you might get kicked out the club but if you're struggling it's okay yeah that's that's the where i kind of consider it's the still struggling area so anyways all right so give us some of your background um let's start with um, let's start with who you are and and what got you planning a church. Yeah, so I um, turned 45 yesterday, so I am uh, 45 years young. Happy uh, birthday! Thank yeah, you for sure. Uh, I became a Christian. Uh, became a Christian uh, in 1998, summer of 1998. I was 21 years old. I lived in Houston, Texas, and uh, God had about five or six born again believing Christian men, all different races, went to different churches who uh, shared the Lord faithfully at this chain of warehouses I worked at. And I began reading the scriptures up there and, you know, and uh, sometimes I'd get drunk, sometimes I'd get high and sometimes I'd read my Bible. And, uh, and that's how I ended up eventually coming to the Lord was through reading the scripture and the testimony of these godly men. So I've been a Christian, um, been a Christian for about 25 years and I'm married. I've got five children um, ages uh, 22 to five ages 22 to five. And I live in Jackson. Yeah. I live in Jacksonville, North Carolina, about an hour away from you guys. Yep. Yep. How'd you get to Jacksonville? Uh, My dad was in the Corps. He was in the Marine Corps. Hmm. Um, So he was in the Corps. He did 20 years in the Corps and uh, my parents divorced in when I was eight years old and my mom stayed here. Okay. Um, So she's an Islander. She's from the islands. And, uh, but she stayed here and has kept her home here. And my dad moved to Texas. So I moved back and forth between North Carolina, Texas, California, moved a lot as a young person. Yeah. Eventually got saved in Houston in 2001, came back to North Carolina so my mom could be around my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an awesome church family. I was getting mentored and discipled my first three years in the faith. Um, and then, you know, we didn't want my mom to be a stranger to my kids. So we said, let's move over here for two years and then go back to Houston. But after about a year and a half, we said, man, Jacksonville is not that bad of a place to live. Um, you know, it's conservative in nature, right? He's like, what? Jacksonville. Yeah. You guys are like, uh, <laughs> living like, from the, living outside of Jacksonville. You know, you just, right. it's like, oh, Jacksonville. <laughs> well, compared to Houston. Well, so yeah. Comparative to Houston where you could, you know, your kids might drive up in the wrong neighborhood and, you know, and get in a fight or something like that. Um, you know, that's the way we looked at it. We said, well you know, our kids, they could get into a lot of stuff here later, Nate, they could get into a lot of stuff here, but they're going to have to go look for it. Yeah. Right. It's not really going to come find them. So that's what we ended up staying here. Been here ever since. Since so one. And North Kakalaki. I hear you. Yeah. So when you moved, um, that was a one. So you've been here for, I'm trying to do the math just over one, 21 years, 21 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. For a minute. Yeah. 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 That that two years extended, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. A lot, a lot of military ministry. 
you know, over here, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're a Christian in Jacksonville, you're definitely going to do some ministry with some Marines. And I love the Corps, man. I just, I love the Marines. I okay. love the death. Love where, death. where, um, so, so you planted a church three years ago. Did you have any prior ministry experience before that or? So, uh, I'm not seminary tra- trained, um, back in Houston after I got saved, I did some, uh, Houston Bible college, you know, for like a semester. Um, I was really raised within the local church. Um, so yeah. the first church that I came to had, uh, you know, 60 people in it, a uh, strong, strong evangelistic pastor, uh, pastor Doug Garland, still a friend of mine. We fly him in like once a year to come hang out with us and show us how to be men. Yeah. And, um, they, somebody needs to do it. So uh, I always tell my church, I say, look, man, if I'm the most mature guy in the room, we're in trouble. You know, we need some like we need some older believers that come in here, you know. So, um, yeah, but uh, uh, I forget what I was talking about with uh, Doug. But oh, yeah, background. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was really raised up in the local church. Um, Doug had me he had me leading devotions before Sunday school, a little 10 minute devotion before Sunday school. He had me doing that within my first year of becoming a Christian in a church that had plenty of preachers at it. Um, I asked him a few years ago, I said, Doug, I said, why did you do that? Like, I don't think I would ever do that. Like as a pastor now, I don't think I would ever put a guy who hasn't been in the Lord six months and put him up in front of people to teach. You know, I was saying words wrong out of the old King James, you know, like, uh, you know, like the, the whole earth travaileth. You know, like the whole earth traveleth, you know, it all traveleth, you know, I was saying words wrong and all kinds of stuff. But, um, you know, he said he told me I asked him one time, I said, how did you know to do that? How did you know to put me behind the pulpit? And um, he said, Tim, he said, man, I was a 32 year old pastor. He said, it was just the grace of God. I have no idea what I was doing. Two or more. I'm like, was that deliberate? Like, did you know, like, how did you know that I would be able to, even though he fired me after, you know, probably like seven months of doing that. I kept coming in. I kept coming in late, you know, no, I not late. I kept going over on my time. So I had 10 minutes Mm. and I kept going over and I would come in. And I remember one time I came in and I'm like, I got 10 points. Here they go. You know, I got 10 minutes, 10 points. Uh, I, I, was, I was raised up in the local church. You know, yeah. um, I was I was mentored and didn't even know I was getting mentored. Yeah, I had wow. godly men and women who were pouring into my life. We were living life like a real family. I was over at my pastor's house all the time. I was at my worship leader's house. Um, the people in the church, we were playing airsoft in the woods, paintball back then. We were playing paintball yeah. together. You know, uh, we were hanging out. I mean, we were, you know, I, I tell people that as a young Christian, I only had to be faithful enough to read my Bible about two days a week because of the rest of the week I was with the church. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we yeah. spent a lot of time together and that's how I was raised up. And, and very much so that was my foundation in the faith. And that's what I continue to try to replicate was, was yeah. that right there, even though it's different people, different time, but I try to replicate the heart of that. And then um, I've, uh, I'm very social, so I've always connected with people and I've just had some great godly men and women throughout the years that led me to this place of becoming a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. I eventually, so, last thing I'll say is I eventually made a decision about three years ago. I said, look, either I'm called to be a pastor or I'm not. And if I'm not, I'm cool with that. I want to go do whatever I'm called to for the Lord, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I've got to try this. But one of the things that pushed me in that direction was realizing how little other men 
and women have been discipled and mentored, realizing how few people in Christ have really had godly leaders that poured into their life. And I realized that it was time for me to give back that I've always had that. So that's, that's part of what pushed me, you know, into it. So the, the church that you, that you're referencing was in Houston, 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 Lafferty road, missionary Baptist Mm. church. We were independent Baptists, which was super cool because we were right about everything. I love it. So when you came to Jacksonville, did you find a good church home uh, in that that time span in between the plant and the getting here? And how did you do that? Was it just church hopping or and just visiting different ones? Or maybe I can tell it in three minutes. Um, uh, I came in. I ended up going out to Maysville, um, which is where that's at small community, uh, lots of racism out there. Um, after I joined the church, I did like prayer walks in our neighborhood and I realized, oh man, everyone's black on the side where the church is, right? They're all black people. And then all the white people are like over here. And what I realized, like talking to people was, and bringing people to church, I played basketball. So I would bring the people I played basketball with the church. This is 2001. And, uh, man, they felt really uncomfortable there. And the people felt really uncomfortable with them. You know, it's like the only black guy in the church. Right. And uh, but I realized through doing the prayer walk that I realized in the church that they didn't want the black people in the church. But I realized that in the prayer walk, the black people didn't want the white people. So Maysville is that way. Yeah. Wow. It's on both ends. Um, But I was really shocked. I prayed about it and uh, I felt like the Lord really one of the very few times that the Lord has said to my heart, not audibly, but I felt like he said, yes, right. That's happened, mm-hmm. happened a handful of times, mm-hmm. 20 years, 25 years. But I feel like he said, yes. When I said, Hey, is this where you want me to join at? So I was out yeah, there yeah. for three years and the Lord finally led me out of there. And, um, the Lord led me out of there. And then I went to another, um, uh, another church in the area and ended up staying there for just over seven years was mentored there by pastor Mike Schwalm, mm. uh, Centerview Baptist church. And I, know where you're I, up. I had a desire to, to leave that body, um, not because there was anything wrong with the body, but as I look forward to my kids' future and mm-hmm. who they were going to be in Christ, I wanted them to have a different experience than this one family of faith that they had known their whole life. Yeah. Because I want them to be united with the church of Jesus Christ, right? Regardless of the denomination or it, like we didn't speak in tongues, but if someone spoke in tongues or uh, or something like that. I didn't want my kids to like freak out that someone spoke in tongues and them not, if they're on the mission field, them have to like, well, man, what's going on with this? So I wanted them to experience something different. And the Lord finally gave me peace, let me leave the church. And then we joined another church. We're there for over seven years. And then we planted. Okay. Okay. The last church we were in, the last church we were in was very liberal. It was a very, at first it was really cool because I thought, wow, there's so much freedom here. And I was looking for something different. Yeah. Um, but eventually it was kind of like, wow, this is different, but they really need a standard. You yeah. Know? But we ministered so, there for a long it, time. We ministered there over seven years. So they were liberally doctrinally, not just um, they wore T-shirts to service. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I asked my, there was a situation that happened one time with some worship team people. And you got to watch out for them, uh, the worshiping people, right, Jacob? Amen. <laughs> Workers and worship team people. Uh, but uh, there were some worship team people that were having a real big schism in the church. And I talked to the head pastor about it. 
And I said, hey, look, this would be a perfect opportunity for church discipline. It's public. It's very unrepentant. It's very rough. All these people are involved. And wow. he told me, he said, we will never do church discipline at this church. They just... and I was... So, yeah. So they were, you know, a little hyper grace, a little, yeah. a little hyper. Yeah, I felt that's like a I red got... flag. I felt like I got preached against a lot on Sunday sermons, me and my wife, you know, like the sermon they were preaching me and my wife felt like, man, is he saying that to us? Like, this is tough. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these people that talk about sin and, you know, confront people like they're bad. You know, it seems like in those churches, like the only people that aren't bad are the people that call out religious people. Well, mm -hmm. it's like anything, you know, you have that whole, uh, we're tolerant, we're tolerant. Not against you, though. That's right. That's, that's, right. So, you. that's it. We're not going to put up with that. Yeah, we're not going to yeah. put up with your your shenanigans. But you're an open, unrepentant sin. That's okay. We love you. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. come but, on you, in. But but they I, were trying. They were trying their best. You know, that pastor was trying his best. He just he didn't have the the breadth of experience that I had had, and that a lot of us have had through yeah. good godly teachers and stuff. So, you know, when I talked to him about certain things, it was things that he had never really heard of before. Hmm. Wow. Now, do you know where uh, Pelletier, North Carolina is? No. Okay. So it's just on, it's, it's kind of between Maysville and, and, and Cape Carteret. Mm -hmm. And that uh, there's a uh, first yep, 58 first Pelletier missionary Baptist church. If I remember the name, right. It had a longer name and that's where I was licensed. Okay. So I was licensed on just the other side of Cape Carteret. Okay. Um, I was working there, but anyways, I was licensed. I've, I've got, I've got, um, just some missionary, uh, missionary seminary training, mm -hmm. but I was, I was brought up 11 years in, in church, uh, guidance. Um, I learned under, uh, I don't know how many men just, pastors taking me under their wing this is how you do it this is not how you do it that kind of a thing so i, I have a in that sense of this the the not being graduating from a particular seminary i don't have that but yeah um we 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 have uh uh been planted for uh eight years and i've seen just a ton of change from day one i remember day one and until today it, it's seen a ton of change just from the people to to um to a lesser extent methodology um um just in, in all these different areas in which there's been change i was wondering in the three years that you've been uh pastoring how much change have you seen are you still trying to say, okay, these are my sea legs, right? Or are you are you one of these type that went, okay, this is the way it is. March forward, you know, yeah. we we know exactly who we are. Yeah. So I knew I was called to break hard ground. That's been a part of my my whole life in Christ. Mm. Um, you know, um, high gifts of mercy, um, able to be around a lot of people that other people just can't stand. You know, to be yeah. around. It's probably why I like you guys. That's exactly you guys right. Awesome. That's exactly right. <laughs> I usually, I usually say we that thank God my, every day for people like you. <laughs> whenever I say that in front of my friends, I can, I can, I can feel my friends looking down like, 
is that why he likes me? But um, no, but uh, you know, able to gifts of mercy. I saw that in my daughter too, you know, just uh, being able to uh, be around rough characters and uh, people, a lot of people can't handle. So I knew as a pastor that that identity was going to come upon my church as well because it's a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. So our initial leadership team was, was three families, three families. That's who we planted with. And we, uh, we did this, uh, uh, revisioning. We did a revisioning packet through, Oh, Newland associates. I had a buddy that was a, uh, that not a counselor. What do you call those people that like consult? He was a consultant with them and, uh, and they do stuff for like, Samaritan's Purse, Doctors Without Borders. I mean, I mean, you know, this Bible Institute, that Bible Institute, they do, they do volunteer training with all these people, getting people to recognize the volunteers they have, you know, calling people how to know what, how to know to hire what people and stuff. So that was an awesome resource. So we looked at that, did that study. And that's how we kind of came up with our initial vision. But I had some great advice uh, from one of my friends who said, look, don't write all your doctrine down. Don't, don't do like, cause I was like, okay, we're going to do this. Once, once I got the call, once I knew, which was a hard process to go through. Uh, but once I finally figured it out, it was like, all right, we got to write this down, right? What are our, what are, what are our seven key points of vision? And he said, no, don't do that. Like let that stuff develop. So that was a good word for us. So our main vision when we came in was um, Acts 242. Okay. That was one of our main visions was saying, look, this is how the first century church grew. They didn't have a growth project, right? They didn't, they didn't, they weren't treating it like a business. They were, they were devoted. That word devoted is important. They were devoted to the apostles teaching the word of God, to the breaking of bread, um, uh, to fellowship and to prayer. And we said, this is a crazy idea. What if we tried to be devoted to those four things plus Jesus? And let's see what the Lord does in growing the church. So that was our initial vision. And then we asked ourselves, how much do you have to be devoted to something? before someone says you're devoted to it. So we're like, how much do we have to take the Lord's Supper, right? How much do we have to do this? So we've morphed, we started with, you know, once every three to four months, we wanted to do the Lord's Supper. We've morphed Mm -hmm. into now we do it like once a month, we try to. Yeah. But we we keep it really organic. So we tried it because we want to be devoted to it. This is something that Christians have been doing for 2000 years. So we get a lot of joy out of taking part in something that, you know, the, the first century church did. That's right. We, we have a saying with prayer. We say we want to pray so much that lost people get bored. So that's how much we want to pray when we come that's together because awesome. we want to be devoted to it. Yeah, um, yeah. So a lot of this is developed. Of course, we want to, you know, to the apostles teaching, we want to preach the word hard. And, you know, I think I used to preach for like an hour and a half all the time, you know, like every time. And um, I learned I've learned to as I preach more, I've learned to bring that down and be considerate of the time. But we really do so many things when we come together. We're not in a rush. We're not on a timetable. Yeah. We don't put a timetable on things. Um, you know, we want to do those things and do them well. Yeah. So I just asked myself a while back. Have I changed like along the path, these things I felt like God was teaching me like I should do this. I was asking myself, wow, am I not doing them anymore? Like we used to do this. Mm. We used to do this, right? We used to, man, I used to, we had a a church vision statement that I did that said, hey, we are redemption church. We are a body. We are a people, not a building, right? You know, we are a part of the, you know, universal church of Jesus Christ. And I can't remember what the vision statement, but, you know, we used to say that together when we got together. 
It's like, let's say our vision. So it was kind of like cultish a little bit, you know, like we'd come in and everyone be like, we are Redemption Church. We oh, are wow. not a people, <laughs> you know, a people, not a building. So that was that was always funny. And we make those well, jokes, you know. Yeah. And uh, but so we did that and um, we don't do that anymore. But the, what I came to, I was just asking myself this a few months, like, am I not doing some of the things that the Lord laid on our heart? Um, but what I've came to is that those things have really become our foundation and we've yeah. just morphed into right. A really healthy, hopefully, hopefully more mature way of doing certain things. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So, we, so we have changed. We really kept it organic, um, but we have changed, but hopefully I, I think we've stayed true to what God's called us to. Can you guys so hear me? Are, are you the uh, lead pastor or are you, have yeah, you got a so, team around you or how does yeah, that work? So I started as the only elder. Um, the only okay. pastor, um, the goal was always to have a multiplicity of elders to, mm -hmm. to see, uh, men that are called. And, you know, when you look at the biblical qualifications for pastors, it doesn't say, go get this guy who's handsome and can talk really well and yeah. who's charismatic. Thank it doesn't God. Say, right, amen. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't say, it doesn't say, go get this guy who is super learned and has a seminary degree. You know, they had yeah. seminaries in the first century. John, the beloved had a seminary. Right. It doesn't say that. It says, go find these men who are faithful, yeah. who are leading their families well. Because mm -hmm. the family's the big tell, right? Right. If, a man, if, if, a man, if the people that this man has spent 20 years with are not disciples on fire for Christ, he should not be a pastor. Yeah. Because yeah. he's showing you what he's going to do with less than 20 years. Yeah. So we started as the only lead elder, but we had a leadership team that had men and women on it, um, even though I believe in male elders. Um, but we had men and women, which I was really excited about. It was really cool. Uh, as a, as a lay preacher for all these years, right. You know, you know, in Christ for 23 years before I became a pastor, 22 years, uh, you yeah. know, pre leading ministry and stuff, never on staff. Right. Which is funny. Never on staff. What does it mean to be on staff? Well, the dictionary says you're paid. Yeah. Is that mm -hmm. the way we should treat our leaders within the local body? Like, because you're not paid, you're not a part of the leadership. That didn't make sense to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I'll go ahead. No, I, you were saying that, uh, you had brought in, uh, women. Yeah. Uh, were you right. saying elders or, 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 no, no, leaders on the lead, or leadership team? So we called okay, it. A okay. Okay. Team, and that was a way for me to have accountability yeah. and for yeah. me to be able to share what I'm doing. I, I always saw that in the church, like, man, this pastor could really benefit from a group of guys that were, would critique his sermon. Like yeah. he wouldn't get caught yeah. in these like ditches for like long periods of time. I always saw that. And I thought, well, I'm going to do something like that. So it was a way to have accountability. Then also um, I'm not making the decisions. So a foundation was laid in that, which is beautiful. I've never been a part of anything like this. The love of the initial leadership team for one another and the Lord was so heavy. We didn't do anything unless there was unanimous. And if yeah. one person said, hey, I'm not sure, we would talk about it. But then we would go, let's hold off. But there was so and then sometimes people like, hey, I don't get it. But you know what? I want to submit to you guys what y'all think. The, the love was just amazing. And that foundation is continued by the grace of God. But as we've grown, our leadership team has changed. Uh, all yeah. the women ended up slowly stepping down. They didn't think it was their place anymore. Yeah. Um, we had other leaders brought in. Slowly, the leadership team began to morph 
into men that actually have pastoral gifts. So now the leadership team is four people and all of us have pastoral gifts. One of the guys was an elder for 14 years at his church. Um, He's not an official elder at our church, but he's moving toward that because we've only known each other for a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years. So we want to wait and be careful, but he's awesome. My father-in-law was just ordained as a pastor uh, a few weeks ago. So now we have two pastors on our leadership team of four men. And then the yeah, last yeah. guy, um, y'all didn't get to meet him. You'd love him. His name's Hector. Uh, he was he was gone in New Jersey for our fellowship, but he also has pastoral gifts. He's only been a believer for 10 years and he's like in the wings, you know? So that's what's became of our leadership team. So we would like to have an elder board. Right now, the elder board has two people, but I have a leadership team of four people that I run things by. Right. Yeah, we have a, a very informal um system that's similar to that but uh it's it's just very informal it, it, it's uh i've got my group of men that i run to and say okay here's what i'm thinking you know and 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 you know if i get feedback if, if one of them says i don't know man i kind of go to the other ones and there's not a, a an actual let's all get together and meet as much as it is um uh you know so-and-so said this uh I see his point and, and, you know, we kind of talk it out and then, and then at the end of it, I'll say, all right, so this is where we're at. Um, I have never had a situation to where I felt like, all right, so we all need to come together now because we're not seeing things eye to eye. You know what I mean? It's always typically I bring up an idea. I bring it up to, to, uh, the guys and they all, yeah, yeah, maybe you want to think about this, or maybe you want to think about that, and it kind of gets fine tuned more so than a, than a, ah, you know, and then and then everybody yeah. else, and, and there's a difference in in how to, you know, the 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 way it ought to unplay, well, and, think- and part of that came out of we started off with an elder board, and then they left, and I was the only one left, right. causing it to where I kind of I, I I just started leaning into to uh, mature guys that I trusted yeah. instead of trying to rebuild a new elder board mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and maybe giving it a different name. And, 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 uh, but, but there again, that, watching the change of how all that works and, and, mm-hmm. and how it's changed you. I mean, I mean, I know for me in, mm-hmm. in the ministering to the people, um, uh, it breaks you in, in this wonderful way, right? Like you are, you think, you know, most things and, and then, and, 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 you know, I, and I, and I don't know about you, but I, I can honestly say most of the time, and you can ask uh, Yeti there, uh, you know, typically speaking, whenever I, I look at it, I go, okay, this is how this is going to play out, or this is what this looks like, or, most of the time I was fairly accurate in those statements. I just, I'm able to look at things and kind of judge them for what they are. And then, but then somebody will come up and you're like, Oh, Oh, okay. Then. And, and, and and you're trying and and there's this struggle. Um, Sometimes it may be your pride, right? Like you're like, okay, I'm wanting to do this. This is where I'm wanting to go. And then, and then something comes along and you're like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do it that way. Yeah. Um, 
and, and, and just the way God uses ministry to, to take you and just, you know, uh, I, I, my, the picture that I use in sermons a lot is you're a hot piece of steel pulled out of the forge and he is just beating you into submission, right? Mm. Like, like he has taken that hammer. And I know a lot of like, like your, your pastor that was hyper grace probably wouldn't like that analogy a whole lot. Right. Right. But, yeah. but, but it, it is, I mean, he, he takes us and, and it's the same, it's the same principle of when he's talking about um, melting down silver to, yeah. to make it pure. Amen. And, and it's by grace that he even does that to us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for that it. Down just a hair. Thank God for it. Yeah. So where, where has, uh, I got a good question. I got a good question. Since you've been pastoring, has any doctrinal, um, uh, what what doctrine has has been modified or changed, if any? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if any have. They might have. Um, I, I've learned to be okay with not knowing some things. Yeah. You know, for a long time, I was like, "No, I got to have the answer." And then I felt that pressure as the pastor, where everyone was looking to me for the answers. Yeah. You know, and it's like, hey, and I felt that pressure, like, "Oh my gosh, I got to know this. I got to know this." And, um, but I've, I've become okay with like my eschatology. Um, mm-hmm. I had become okay with not really knowing what I believe, uh, with eschatology. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Like, you know, cause we're, we're, we're you know, we're trying to figure this out and it's hard yeah. and, and, and we're, and I heard a good word about, uh, you know, the Jews in Jesus's day that they thought their eschatology or, or their, their, their study of the Messiah, they, they thought that that was, was nailed down yeah. and, and when he came, they totally missed it because yeah. they we, had it wrong. Right. It was speculative. So a lot of eschatology is speculative in some ways. So, yeah. and you know, what might we miss if we think, you know, we've got it all nailed down. So, mm-hmm. um, so doctrine, so I, I'm, I'm open with that now. Um, and I, I don't know that anything has really been, I know with the Lord's supper, we, 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 we battened down on that. So that was a modification okay. where we said, okay, with the Lord's supper, you know what? Um, only baptized believers are going to be allowed to partake in this. Yeah. So our, yeah. our kids taking it, if they're not baptized believers, then we're not going to let them do it. Right. So th- that was a modification that came along. Um, that's the only one I can think of, you know, right now. I think for us um, and, and I'll, I'll throw Yeti in this as well, because he's the music leader. Uh, pastor but but taking uh being more mindful of uh that that our worship is for god and so you everybody understands that when they walk into the room everybody's like oh yeah we're worshiping god we're worshiping god but actually trying to take every aspect of the service and point it to christ and and Yeti can tell you, uh, you know, as far as like um, the music, that's been a big part of it. The music where before it may have been decent music, right? Not, not anything heretical, not anything that's just going to be um, that is like, oh my goodness, they sing that in church. Not, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not singing highway to hell. Highway to hell. Churches yeah. out in yeah, South Carolina. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, the the you know it, it's it's all right. Does this song is this song about me and how right. God makes me feel, or is this song about God? Yeah, and so that's a good, that's a good um, one. Yeah. Those type of things have really been honed, honed in, and trying to develop that, yeah, that mentality, and, and and leaning into the we're here for God, we're not here to see people come to Christ, and what I mean by that is we love the church and, and we love evangelism, but the the, the like Sunday service, I'm, and I'm talking about Sunday service. Yeah. It's not evangelistic, right? No, I totally it can agree. be. It yeah. can be. It, you know, right. if if I'm I'm uh, preaching through the book of Matthew, and there's places where it is evangelistic, and yeah. and there's there's uh, uh, we want to have people walk through the door. We want those people to feel comfortable in the sense of yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not just freaking them out, but but. Uh, we don't want any uncomfortability to come from us instead of the spirit of Christ in the, in the building. Right. For, right. for us with that, you know, it's kind of like a total rejection of the Andy Stanley model of church. Exactly. exactly. A total rejection of that. And then additionally, um, we just want our gathering to be so Christ focused, so focused on the word, so focused on what the God, what God is doing with the church that um, lost people are not going to enjoy our church unless they are in the process of repenting or coming or unless they're just dead on a log. We have plenty of people that come in and just sleep. You know what I mean? So, so, so they can survive. Yeah. Uh, the, the sleepers survive. But uh, people that come in and think that church is going to be an hour and a half and we're going to hear this 40 minute sermon and get out of here. Um, you know, they they're looking at their watch. They're really uncomfortable. So we've learned to prepare the people that we bring and to let them know, look, we meet for three hours. We had a four hour service the other Sunday, every member of the church, 50 people, no one batted an eye. Everyone loved it. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah. Right. We were loving it four hours and we didn't have to sing eight songs. We sang three. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, there's yeah. all, there's all these things that are happening. We ended up praying for people, telling people, come up, we want to pray for you, you know, um, come and 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 it was a long line for the leadership team to pray for people. People came up and made real confessions, and that I wanted to add that too. That that's one of the things that changed changed for us doctrinally is we knew confession was important. I've always known that's important. I live a life of confession because I live a life of confession. It keeps me out of a lot of trouble. It yeah. brings accountability into my life. I pull things out of darkness where the mm. devil has rule to reign right now. Yeah. Right. And I pull it out of darkness and put it in the light on the table where God can have it and the saints can have it. And uh, so I've always lived that life. I've taught people to do that. The confession changed because we didn't do this starting off. Um, but now, you know, making our confession to God is I told the church like this. I said, look, uh, this isn't a game. Yeah. Church isn't a game. This isn't I live however I want. I come in here and I sing a few songs. And God knows my heart is wicked. God knows I was looking at porn or thinking about cheating on my wife or I hadn't read my Bible all week long or I've been angry and I'm yeah. not forgiving. And then I'm going to come up and I'm going to lead a prayer in the church service. What are you kidding yeah. me? Right. The pastor is going to say, hey, John, would you lead a prayer? John needs to say, yeah, I will, but I need to confess. And the Bible says confess to God. First John 1, 9 is faithful and just forgive you all your sins. And That's then it right. also says confess to one another so that you might be healed. 
The prayers yeah. of the righteous man avails much. So, the, and I've said, look, I know it might be uncomfortable for y'all to hear the pastor come in. And the first thing I say is I've been in sin this week and that should not be a regular occurrence at all. But when it happens, I come up and I say, look, I know this makes y'all uncomfortable, but I have to be right with God. And I've been yeah. struggling and, and, and it's, it's a woeful thing. So that's what we've really learned to do that. And yeah. um, that, that can also become a religious thing where people, you know, everyone's going to, you know, confess like their bad habits and, you know, think, Oh, I'm doing great. You know, Hey, I, uh, man, I, I drank a bunch of beer this weekend. I feel horrible about it. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm religious, you know, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything can become religious, but that's one doctrinal thing that has really grown in us. And we've seen a lot of fruit come from it. Yeah. Um, I know I've, I've gotten kicked back from talking about, you know, you're, you're studying for a sermon and the conviction that comes upon you from, from studying that sermon. And I'll say, I'll tell my congregation, I'll say, you know, this one hit me hard this week or, or, um, uh, you know, straight up just, you know, uh, this is what the scripture says. And I don't do this well. I don't do this well. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. The Holy spirit, I'm turning to God and begging him to take this from me. Um, but I, at this point, I, I don't do this the best in the world. Um, um, sympathizing with people. I'm not the best at that. Right. Like, so when somebody mm-hmm. says, uh, you know, I'm, uh, depression's a good one. We've talked about this in my church, people who deal with depression. I don't know how to deal with you. I love you. I'm going to point you to Christ. Um, I'm going to, to let you know that, that, that I am here for you if you need anything, but I don't know the words or, or I can't sit there and go, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. And and I know what it's like to be sad. I don't know what it's like to struggle like that. Right. And for it to be no apparent reason And, 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 and some of the issues that come up and, and, and I've had people, go, yeah, I don't know if you ought to say that. And I'm going, it's the truth. <laughs> you know? it's, it's the truth. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, 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 I'm not perfect. Uh, yeah. I am, I am incredibly flawed. Uh, and my desire is to point you to Jesus. And, and in that I'm being pointed to Christ in my study and in my preaching, I'm being pointed to Christ as well. And, and, and looking into God's word, the Holy Spirit does point to me where I'm a flawed individual. I, I make no qualms about that. And yeah. and people have a hard time uh, because, because we were brought up in a generation to where the pastor was like, you, right. you know, it was, it was right. all it's very. Like, it's, like, it's like fraternizing or something like that, right? Mm. It's like, no, yeah. don't, don't, don't get too close to the people. And, yeah, and the, yeah. way I look at, the way I look at shepherding is that, you know, a shepherd has to be with the sheep. He's got to smell like sheep. That's the right. The shepherd don't That's smell right. like sheep's not doing his job. So I, and I'm really thankful for this, that God makes it so simple for me because I'm a simple minded person. You know, I, I, I'm like a very. I started low- to nod my head and then I'm like, oh, don't nod your head so hard <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I'm, 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 like, taking I, the wrong way. I'm this much intellectual. And then a lot of me is just like mission and passion, right? Yeah. So this much is mission and this much is intellectual. Um, but I'm glad he makes it simple that, hey, my job as a pastor is to walk side by side with these people. That's right. It's that's to right. love them. It's to do what was done for me. And that's yeah. why I think Paul says, Paul, God knew what he was talking about when, when, when Paul said, 
do not turn from the foundation that you were given that brought you to Christ. Mm. Yeah. Like God has a very specific purpose in who led us to Christ in what those early formative years were like yeah. and turn from it at your peril. Be very careful. If you're going to repent from something that you were taught, like in the early days that brought you to Christ, you had better make sure you're hitting it on all cylinders and that it's godly. Yeah. Because, because that's what brought you to Christ. Yeah. Right? If you're, so you if you, sure. it, and there are, you know, it is, it's okay to look back at the church that you were saved in or, or, the people who, who witnessed you and say, all right, I see, you know, you don't want to put people on a pedestal. Right. And, 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 but at the same time, they did something right. They were, they were faithful to God in that moment. And, and you should take that and, and, and share that. And when you're saved, when you're saved, you're not, you're not able to get up front of everybody and start preaching an hour long sermon or something and exegeting the scripture. But what you can do is simply say, God saved me. He brought into my life, Bob over there and Bob shared the gospel with me. And the yeah. gospel is that Jesus Christ is King. He, he, he died on a cross. He took my sin and yeah. he, he gave me his righteousness and I, I I'm still sinning yeah. and, you know, and just push that. And, and, and you don't have to be a theologian in that sense. To, to just let people know the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's for everybody. I was telling somebody in our church earlier, I said, you're just going to have to get comfortable with the awkward conversations. Mm-hmm. That, that's all there is to it. Like, like mm-hmm. we can do all these things. We can have the, 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 you know, there again, the pig picking, which was fun. And, and, and we enjoy that and it has its purpose, but um, we can't just start going well, we need this program. We need this program. We need that right. program. We, right. we need, yeah. we need to be here and there. We need to be a part of this event and that event. Yeah. What you need to do is you need to start injecting the gospel into everyday conversations and, and, and you're going to make it awkward. Trust me. I, I mean, I mean, um, somebody's talking about, yeah, I, I was with old girl the other night. Blah, 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 and then you look at it you do realize that's sinful, right? Like, like you're, you're spitting in the face of God. Like, like that's adultery. I ain't married. Well, you're, you're sleeping with someone else's future wife or, 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 or you're cheating on your future. I mean, like, like you have to look at this type of thing. And, yeah, the and Bible it, still calls that fornication. There's yeah. Still a name for it. And it's, yeah. yeah. And, and you have to be able to say, uh, uh, but you know, Christ died for that. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, what, you know, and, and it's just, or you're uh, a good example is, uh, being at the Walmart, looking at the bullet section and some old man walks up to you to my, I don't know what we're going to do. And I look at him, I go, we're going to be all right. We got Christ. Faith in Christ. Yeah. And, 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 and just that hope, yeah. because here you've got somebody who's hopeless and they may be, they, they, they may, you know, uh, the guy had a, uh, cross on his hat, you know, so he may have been a Christian that just, I don't know, but, uh, I'm looking at him and, and it's just, we, we find our hope in Christ, not, not in, not in politics, not in the, how many 22 bullets I can buy, not in whatever we find our hope in Christ. We find our, our strength through Christ and, and he was kind of like, yeah, 
all right, later. You know, I mean, it, it made it awkward, but, right. but you, you have those conversations with people. Um, uh, yet he started his new job and, and, and he's in a good environment for that. He, he went to a fertile, fertile ground, so to speak. And he's yeah. been sharing Amen. the gospel with men all the time. Amen. I've got one guy that works with me and, uh, lost as a ball in tall grass knows it doesn't, doesn't really care, but I've just started noticing today that he's not cussing nearly as much around me. <laughs> so it's like, he's going out of his way to say words that aren't cuss words. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Praise God. You know, uh, something you said earlier, um, I think in the faith, we're standing on the shoulders of giants that Amen. came before us. And that's right. the only reason we're saved. Hmm. The only reason we're saved is because men and women before us were faithful to God. And they were faithful. Hebrews says like what they did, they were sawn in two, you know, that they, they went about in the desert. They didn't have clothes. I mean, that's where we come from. Like this, uh, like Hebrew roots movement and things like that. Um, you know, they want to say that the church is all corrupted, right? Well, if the church is all corrupted and all lies, right? If we all came out of Catholicism and if there's nothing but that, and that's all the brokenness yeah. that we have, well, then how did any of us get saved? Right. So, so we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants and, uh, and the people that are before us, you know, like you were talking, talk, we were talking on the phone earlier about the dynamics of your elder board as they, as the guys left and you became the lead elder, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, those other guys were before you. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with other people exactly. being before you. Like we pray for our kids that they would far surpass us, that they That's would right. surpass right. us, that they would be able to correct us. You know, That's that right. they would be able to rebuke us when we're wrong. That's right. right. That's right. So that's a, that's what we hope for. And I wanted to say one other thing too, uh, early on, we were talking about seminary and stuff like that. And I just wanted yeah. to share this, that um, education is wonderful. If you can go to seminary, that is wonderful. But scripturally and biblically, the church of Jesus Christ is commanded to disciple. That's right not a seminary, not a business, not a seminary. Mm -hmm. The church of Jesus Christ is commanded to disciple. We are, the elder are commanded to teach the younger. So if you have old people in your church and they never invite anyone over, that you, you got to tell them, Hey, we need you. Yep. We need you. We need to come over. We need you. We need right. to learn from you, right? You got people in your church that aren't sharing the gospel. We need to tell them, look, man, you've got to get it going. You're in sin right now. Yeah. Yep. You're in sin. You've got to share this, right? People are dying, right? But the whole seminary thing, um, you know, the church has um, the church has given away their responsibility, and anybody with a, enough money can go and get a degree, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of work, but you can go yep. and get a degree. When really the church is, it's our job to disciple. I've always wondered. You have a pastor that uh, has a doctorate. I knew plenty of them, right? Um, that has a doctorate, has a master's, all this stuff. But they never teach the church what they learned at seminary. Yeah. They got the church on milk. But, yeah. but, but you, you took how many years of uh, Greek? And, and you, don't, you don't have enough to teach someone else? Or you took how many, you took how many classes on church history? And you're not going to have a class and actually disseminate that information. The, the seminaries are, that doesn't the, make any sense to me. The seminaries are teaching the, the people coming out of this seminary. Don't, don't give anybody anything hard. 
Don't give mm. anybody mm. anything hard wow. because because they can't handle it. Mm. And and that's been a huge well, yeah, you failure. Know, lost lost I mean, people, that, lost people can't handle it. Well, that, <laughs> you know, you know, immature babies can't handle it. And whose job is it to raise up these babies? You look at you know? the guys who are who are platformed and are big, and uh-huh. I don't mean all of them, but a huge number of them are these guys who are just uh they're they're just they're 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 out there and they they push this message of 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 you know they're preaching the gospel but their their idea of doing that is you know um there again make the music as as worldly as possible Mm -hmm. so that the world will accept our music Mm -hmm. And, and maybe then they'll get saved yeah. Make the sermons as as uh, milkish and worldly as possible, so that the worldly person will will see themselves there, and they will uh, hopefully one day. Yeah, and and, and it's secret sensitive, and it's just trying to get your numbers up, but there, yeah. there's no yeah. heart transformation there. Yeah. Well, that's the elevation model is, is to, uh, is, you know, like he has that really popular video. He, it was a long time ago. I wonder if he regrets it. I don't know, but you know, Furtick has that video that came out a long time ago where he says, if you got saved, that was your last week that elevation church was. Yeah. For you. Yeah. I remember and, that uh, church is for the lost that now I know you want to push evangelism. Right. But, um, our church catalyst here in town, that's, you know, it was four or 5,000 members, the pandemic, they went down to 2,500. And uh, one of the elders from over there said that um, we realize that we're really good at evangelism, but we, he didn't say it like this, but essentially we suck at discipleship because 2,500 people from their church figured out they like Sunday fun day more than they like church. So they never came back. Mm -hmm. And he said, they're small group leaders. They're teachers. They're all kinds of people. Um, So, you know, the, 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 I don't know that that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah, seems like COVID was an eye opener for the church here in America in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, and could I could I read a verse to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Real quick, it's out of Psalm seventy four, and this is not my Bible, so I have to find it. Uh, I don't have it uh, here. Trying to see. Oh, it's Psalm seventy three. That's what it is. Okay, that's why. All right, it says. It says in verses like four through 15, um, I think it's Solomon that's doing this, a Psalm of Asaph. And he's saying that the, the loss, like, man, they're, they're, even their eyes are fat. Like, man, they've got so much going on. Like, they even got fat eyes, right? Like, they're well fed. Their heart overflows with folly. They scoff. They speak with malice. They're, they loftily, they threaten oppression against others. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. Like these people are prospering yeah. and they say, how can God know? Is, is there, is there knowledge in the most high behold? These are wicked. They're always at ease. It says they increase in their riches. So the psalmist is very like, he, he he's letting it out. He's given a confession. This is about confession. Um, so he's giving a confession here about what he's seeing. What he's experiencing is he's, and he's thinking, man, these lost people, they're just living, they're having their best life now. Yeah. Right. And I'm hurt and jealous. Right. But it says this in verse 15. If I had said, quote, 
I will speak thus, end quote, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So the psalmist ends up saying, this is my truth, essentially. But if I would have spoken this truth, I would have discouraged a whole generation after me. So confession is good. Confession to your truth or to what the truth is, is good. But it's only good if it ends in praise. So to have somebody just confess that they're just, you know, sleeping, they're cheating on their wife. Please pray for me. That's not good. But if somebody says I've been sleeping with my wife and I don't know what to do to stop it, God help me. That's yes. good. Yeah. The people yeah. then say, yes, God help them. And you pray for them. Right. So there, this is what he says in verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Like, how do I get this right? Don't you get wearied by some of these thoughts? And he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. So here comes the Amen. knowledge and the wisdom and the praise. When I came to the sanctuary, which is a symbol for the presence of God, right? Yep. When I got into the presence of God, then I discerned it. And then he sees, wow, they're actually on a slippery slope. They're actually not doing well. This is, But his confession, yeah. if all he would have done was confess with no praise to God, and no, that would have been horrible. Like last night I had a machine broke. I was at work till 930. I text, I couldn't make it to prayer. I texted the church. I said, man, and I I never miss, but I said, Hey, look, I can't be there. I took a picture of the machine. I said, man, y'all pray for me. I got a bunch of orders due this week. I said, but man, God is fully on his throne. Right. So, and what does that do to me? Like that encourages me, sets my mind on the right thing. And I'm not down about this thing. So confession is good. Honesty is good but it must be wrapped up in praise or else he says, I would have discouraged a general betrayed the generation of your children. It can be an ugly thing too. The, the, I know it's after seven and, and if you need to go, let me know. I'm good. Um, nah, okay. man. Those guys are sitting around a campfire. My buddy cooks a uh, Puerto Rican food, bro. They're uh-huh. eating right now. They're happy. All right. So we're about to head to Jacksonville and uh... <laughs> that's right. Look, um, so, so we're, we're going through the Beatitudes right now. Last week was mourning. This week is meekness. And, and the verse that you brought up is, is just is bringing so many thoughts to mind because we mourn our sin. We mourn the sin of, of what's around us. So it's not just like my personal sin. Right. But like yeah. if, if I knew either you two were in sin, I would be mourning that sin. If, if right. our, our nation has a, has a culture of sin, right? I, I want to mourn that, that I mourn these things and that, that I am meek. And meek is strength under control. And the, the, the picture there is, um, uh, a, a horse or an ox that is bridled by God. So you've got this powerful, monstrous beast that has been uh, uh, tamed by God. He's he's not lost his strength. He he's lost the wildness, and and, and when we are when when we are. Uh, in the world and we are we are you were talking about the 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 that he is confessing and that that when he he confesses it and he sees that the world and he's he's thinking that well it looks like they have it made right 
they've got it figured out. It seems like they're prospering and I'm suffering. The man of God who is meek says this. I know it looks like they're profit, profiting, but I know who I am in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so just like whenever a good horse, you would say a good horse is a horse that you could ride into battle and the horse doesn't freak out. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could take yeah. it hunting and you could shoot a shotgun off his back and he doesn't freak out because he is secure on who he is and where he's at. That is against the very nature of the animal is to be that calm and secure because a horse is a prey animal. And so it's against its nature And so to be able to say, God has put us here to preach the gospel, to to go through his word, to disciple the nations, not not just simply evangelize the nations, but to to disciple the nations that God says that uh, his ways are, are, uh, you know, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And we've got pastors who are saying, let's disconnect, let's unhitch. Andy Stanley, we were talking about him earlier. Uh, from the old testament right and and and, but then you have men who's you know and you have churches who are who who are um maybe small maybe they're maybe they're just planted or maybe they're they're starting to die out a little bit and they're going oh no what do we do and they start going into panic mode and they start thinking maybe we ought to be doing this maybe we ought to be doing that maybe but god says a meek man stands there in the midst of that battle and says thus says the lord amen and, and, and that person is what God, those are the people who are going to, uh, 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 uh inherit the, the earth, Amen. those people, God's people, eventually that's, that's, you know, but the, the fruit of that is us being able to say, I, I know that's tempting. I know that's out there. I know, I know where you're coming from. I understand it. But the Bible says that we come to church to worship him. Yeah, we didn't come to church to 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 uh, to have games and to entertain you, um, and that's and to push it into the more evangelistic direction is, uh, we know that we are to be pushing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost to to the to to the world, and that we are to be uh, 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 discipleship starts with evangelism so if you've got a lost friend and you're giving him the gospel you've begun discipleship mm-hmm. he he's not there yet he's not saved but you're starting the very first step and that's to get him on that first rung of uh you know that that uh, uh i'm getting into my sermon so i'm not uh, the, the oh, context man, is, look, look, look you've been deep but, in this you've been deep in the sunday sermon i've been thinking jacob jacob's about to hear this twice yeah 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 yeah, yeah. bring it on son <laughs> But yeah, you know what Spur- songs we're going to sing, so this helps. Spurgeon, <laughs> that's good. Spurgeon had made a comment, uh, and he says the 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 beatitudes are like la- a ladder, and the first one is the rung closest to the floor, and that is basically uh, the poor in spirit. Do you understand that you come to Christ with nothing, right? And that's the first one. And so when you're preaching the gospel to someone, you're teaching the gospel, you're proclaiming the gospel to someone, you're letting them know that, that you have nothing to give Christ and he has everything to give you. The only thing that you do have, and this is the, the morning part, the only thing you do have is sin. That's the, the second wrong, right? And, and, and that you should mourn over that sin. Mm-hmm. And that 
and, and, and a man who is meek and is is in the gospel and is is being ba- I mean baptized is being uh, discipled should grow up to be a man who is not wishy-washy and unsure in all his ways, right? Uh, he can't, he, uh, a meek man is not a double-minded man. Mm-hmm. A meek man says, here, thus says the Lord. And even if it's uncomfortable, and even if I don't like it, and even, and, and, and there again, you can, it's okay to say, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I don't like this. God, God, uh, what, uh, the centurion that said, Lord, help me with my own belief. Uh-huh. And I, I, you know, he, he said, he said, I want to believe, but I, I'm having trouble with it. Help me with that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's okay to say I'm doing this out of obedience, but I, my heart's not here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I want to love you. I want to be obedient. And, 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 and God, God works that, you know, he, 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 he makes it. And it, when you're having to, uh, to, to, to live in a world, that is constantly saying you need to be more entertaining. You need to be this. You need to be that. You need to, the gospel's hard. You don't need to say that to everybody. Some people don't like this hmm. and stand firm on the gospel. Those are the men. Those are the churches as, as COVID and the Ukraine, Russia thing. It, it keeps on and who, whatever other thing that we come up with after all that, um, it, it's, hmm. it's, it's, it's going to show the power of God and his gospel and the men who follow that versus the world, the, 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 the church who just said, Hey, whatever, whatever gets you in the door. Right. And, and so when you, when you were bringing that up, oh, I could think that's, that's, that's the meek man, the man who went to Christ and said, look, it reminds me of like your definition of meekness reminds me of uh, first John. I think it's first John where he talks about uh, dear children uh, to you, little children, to you, young men, to you, fathers in the faith. And to the fathers, he says, you know, that you've overcome the evil one because you know in whom you've placed your trust. Like they know God. It says that over and over. Yeah. It says it twice. They know God. To me, that is a good definition of how a man becomes meek, how he becomes bridled, although he's powerful, is that he knows God. And when hard things happen, um, he doesn't go up and down like a young believer who's on yeah. the out in one second here because he knows god he stays pretty steady and it's that experience that causes him to really live like me right yeah not get too crazy hey give me one second yes sir caleb tristan is there do you want to head over there sorry my son just came in i didn't have a okay buddy all right all right i'm back it there's a story, and I wish I could remember the missionary's name. He's a famous missionary, but uh, he was in Africa, and there were soldiers coming, and he's sitting at his desk, and he's Benny Hinn. No, 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 Africa. Right. <laughs> so he's sitting there, and he's he's uh, humming or whistling hymns, and the guy comes in the office, he's like the soldiers are coming, let's let's go, and he and he's like, and he just keeps on, and the man says, "What's wrong with you?" He says, he says, look, they're, they're on their way. I can't escape them under my own power. Uh, what's a better way to, to go out to sit here praising my Lord in song. Right. Mm, he, he, he didn't get scared. He didn't get nervous. He didn't get spooked because the world was coming. Yeah. He sat in his office chair and he, he, he sang to his father and his savior. And, and, you know, 
I, hopefully if something like that were to happen, I could say, you know, that I'd be similar, that, that I wouldn't flinch. Like mm-hmm. if, if the, when the world, you know, kind of, you know, that I'm not going to flinch, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold steady. And, and, and I think as time, time unfolds, we'll, we'll get more opportunities to, to judge or to see that. Yeah. Like my friend from Nigeria says, he says, uh, he says, you cannot go to heaven unless you die. So what are you afraid of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like, like we can't get there unless we die. So why, why, yeah. why, why be fearful? But in that, I always, always tell people, I say, look, no one runs off the leprosy island without first counting the cost. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're not we're not advocating for foolish, you know, uh, bravado. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a cost to be counted, but at the same time, once you count that cost, and that's why we went back to church after missing you know, the first four weeks of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, we, we said, Hey, is this important? We, we don't know anyone that's sick. And we said, what if we die? Yeah. Cause we didn't know, right. We're in Jacksonville, you know, what if we die? And I said, okay, they're telling me to stay home. What if we stay home for a year? And I said, is that year of me not fellowshipping with the body doing ministry? Is that year going to be worth it if I die. I thought, man, well, if I stay home this year, I could have 30 more years on top of it or I could have none. And, and I came to a place of saying, yeah, you know, it is worth it. If we die, it's worth it to go fellowship. It's worth it to go the gospel. It's worth it to honor the Lord. So that's That's what we did. You know, so we went back and we said, this is worth, this is worth us risking our lives. But so many people that claim the name of Christ, so many people, they said it wasn't worth it, that yeah, honoring yeah. the Lord wasn't worth it, that if they died, it wasn't worth it. And because always, church was about them to begin with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's about comfort. I've always years and years ago, you know, 20 years ago, uh, we started reading, uh, got connected with Voice of the Martyrs, started hearing about the persecuted church. And, uh, and me and my wife started praying all the time, God, give us the spirit and the heart of the persecuted church. Don't don't let us have this dead American faith that is all about mm-hmm. comfort and doesn't cost anything. And so we prayed that and prayed that and prayed that. And what ended up happening was God started bringing people to my doorstep from around the world. Yeah. You know, I got a phone call. Hey, this guy from Nigeria, he wants to come stay with a Christian for three months. He's coming to a kid. It's like, okay. Um, you know, God brought these people to my doorstep to encourage that type of faith. And in my readings about the persecuted church, and about those martyrs and things like that, I realized that, look, we claim the same name, Christian. But only one of us is giving our life. So we as the American church, you know, do we even have the right to claim the same name if we're not willing to go all the way and just do whatever? You know, now that being said, uh, real quick, I'll say this, that being said, the enemy works different in every society. Yeah. And I've had those same friends come from Africa and spend time with us. And I've watched them get hooked on television, get, you know, like we're, we're ready to go preach. So he came in one time for a week and I'm like, for five days, we went and had five different house churches. I knew different people from different churches. I wanted them to experience the gospel that he was preaching, right? The passion for that he asked for the word. So we met and I said, invite all your friends and we're going to pack in. So, so for that week, he went and preached every night someplace at some house. Yeah. Uh, One of the days, man, they, they got 
watching Lost on Netflix, man, they're like, you know, every show it's like, oh, there's another one. Boom. Oh, there's another one. They kept, they're into like season six. I'm like, hey, pastor, like you ready to preach tonight? And he's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. We'll be fine. And they're, they're, wow. they're sitting there the whole time, you know, and it spoke to me. I said, yeah. oh okay, that's how the enemy works. He works differently in different places. The enemy can show himself a little bit more in this other place. And maybe they do idol worship. Maybe they do this. And over here, it's comfort. It's entertainment. And it doesn't matter what Christian's going to come. They're going to get tempted with it. I've I've pointed out to our church before, you know, uh, when Columbine occurred, right? There was the, and I don't remember her name, but there was a little girl who was shot. And they asked her, do you believe, are you... Do you believe in Christ or, and I believe, I believe. And, and and she was killed for that. And I remember people, would you die for Jesus? And it became almost like the church guilting me into dying for Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember, uh, it came to me one day. I said, I said, you know, there's a ton of people. In fact, I had a lost friend who was like, oh, I die for Jesus. I die for Jesus. And I, I just straight up looked at him. And I said, but you ain't living for him. You're not living for him now. How would you die? And, and, and that's that's what went, you know, and, and I, that has stuck with me. That moment talking with my friend has stuck with me. And it, it's sometimes it's harder to live a life to where you were consistently living for Christ than it is a moment to die for him, right? And it's that in the world in which we live, um, this thing here is a major distraction. Uh, It's, it's, it's wonderful. It has so many good things about it, but it is a major distraction. The enemy is, is, is winning with these things. Uh, He's holding up his phone for those of you that are not watching the video. Yeah. Good, good call. Good call. He's holding up a hot dog. (laughs) <laughs> this thing is a major distraction here oh, man, right that's right <laughs> but but yeah i mean the computer the, the tv the i mean and, and at one time the radio was right at one time the radio was and then it was yeah. the tv i mean and, there's many and, and, idols right there's many idols yeah yeah uh what was it calvin that uh, i think it was calvin that, that made the comment that uh our hearts are naturally idol factories yeah you're and, gonna worship something and, and there again, I, I love my phone. It, it's helpful. I love technology. We're able to have this conversation right yeah. now because of technology. I lo- God has has done many wonderful things, but the world also uses them uh, to to pull you away from Him, uh, to pull you away from Christ. And, and and so living for Christ may be. And we talked about this beforehand. Do you mind if I mention what we had talked about beforehand? With, no, no. Go what ahead. You're, you're, okay. So that you said, I, I've turned off the TV for the last two weeks. I'm not, I'm not watching TV right now because, because it, it's been a distraction. Right. And, and there again, is there anything wrong with watching loss? No, no. Ooh. Is there something wrong with sitting there and wasting your entire day watching lost? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we have to be able to say, all right, I want to sit down and we'll watch this, but then I'm going to get up and read my scripture or, mm-hmm. Or whatever it needs. Some people may have to read their scripture first, depending on, you know, the person. I'm not trying to give you legalistic. This is how you do it. As much as, you know, 
I've I've been on Facebook or or YouTube before, and those little short stories that just and you just wind up and catch yourself just flip 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 flip, and it's you know you wasted ten or fifteen minutes. Now you say 10, 15 minutes don't mean that don't sound like a whole lot, but think about what you could have been doing in scripture for 10 or 15 minutes. Think about what you could have been doing with your kids for 10 to 15 minutes or raking your yard. I mean, anything. Have you ever seen, have you guys ever seen that video? It's a, I need to look for it. Cause this is like the second time I've referenced it and I don't know anything about it. Other than what I saw it has these people that go to heaven and it's a black and white and they're standing individually before uh, somebody and they address the person, they would say, you know, Pastor David, you know, uh, you were given, you know, or you're held accountable to like 320,000 souls. And the guy's like, Pastor David, like, no, man, like I, I, I run a bank, you know, and it's like, Pastor David, like you were called to the ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were called to do this. You were called to to raise up right for the Lord, like three hundred twenty thousand souls. You only led five souls. Yeah. Right. And then another one comes up and it's like uh, the guy's like, uh, you know, accountant Rob. Right. And he's like, he's like, accountant. No, I'm a pastor. And he's like, accountant Rob. Like, you know, <laughs> you were supposed to do this. Right. Like like you were required to do three million so many souls through your ministry in the accounting business. Right. But in the guys like I pastored a church, I pastored a church of 200 people. It says, but instead you you only led like, you know, 150 or, you know, 700 people to the Lord or, or yeah. it might have been a bigger number, like a thousand. But the guy was he, he was he was gonna he was gonna do uh, he was you guys know this guy. Come on, man. We're on a Zoom call. These guys. Hey, buddy. Uh, hey, oh, what's up, guys? <laughs> We're doing their podcast. That's the real legend right there. Revival. It's another Sasquatch. It's another guy, man. Yeah. We got yeah. to get him on the podcast. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, we need to get you on the podcast and I ain't done it yet. I immediately feel like very beta when Wayne walks into the room. Right. It's like, oh, snap. It's another <laughs> alpha Sasquatch, man. I need to, <laughs> I, need to I need to relax a little bit. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, he, he is. All right. Love you, bro. God bless you. Yeah. Take care. Bye y'all. Bye man. Later. He, he is, I I know one other person that when I'm around him, that, that makes me that jacked. And, uh, that's, uh, uh, Darren Doan, Darren Doan and Wayne. I I get around those two guys and and they walk off and I'm like, Oh, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> That's right, man. Hey, I had a, I had a, a pastor, uh, pandemic shut us down. He was older. Um, I still get to hang with him sometime. When we first planted the church, uh, there was a retired pastor in our area who just came into the store one day, started talking to him, found out he was retired. You know, he was like 78 from up in new England. And, uh, I said, wow, man, that's great. You know, he's here in Maysville. And I said, well, why don't you come out to the church sometime? And um, I got to talking to him through business and got pretty comfortable with his worldview. Uh-huh. And I felt pretty confident that this guy is going to be a solid preacher. So I said, OK, so I said, hey, look, would you come preach? You yeah, know, yeah. Um, it would give me a break because when we first started, it was just me. Right. Yeah. Just me preaching. Now I got like I got I got 10 guys that can preach now, you know, but it was just me starting. And um, 
And I said, look, why don't you come and you can give me some relief. And then also I can gain a lot of wisdom from you. Right. But um, he would come preach and his, his thing, Pastor Roy Hurlbert, Hurlbert, his thing is that when Pastor Roy talks, like you said with Wayne, when he talks about the things he did in ministry, you're left with this amazing, amazing understanding that I can do this. Yeah. It's simple because he would tell us stories like the guy, you know, he was on the side of the road. So I pulled off and I stopped to help him, you know, and I helped him and shared the Lord with him. And I was supposed to be somewhere to preach, but I knew when I got to sharing the Lord, this was more important. So the people came and tracked him down. The deacon and the pastor were like, hey, you're going up in 20 minutes. Where have you been? Said, well, I've got it. They're like, you got to come right now. And he said, well, I think y'all just going to have to wait. I've yeah, got to yeah. do this. And that guy like got led to the Lord. And, and, and then he went back and like all this amazing stuff happened. And you're just left with the impression that, wow, that's all I have to do. Just love people and be obedient. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. when the Lord says, do this, do this is very encouraging. You know, yeah. like I make, I make things way too complicated. You know? Well, and that, that I think is, is a sign of, of a, of a person who is, who is called to lead. If you can make somebody go, Oh, I can do that. And yeah. I don't mean like, it's so easy in the sense right. of like, right. No, uh, no, but this is but, how but, it works. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're just going, Yeah. Yeah, I get that now. I mean, That's I mean, you can you can hear somebody talk about it forever, and it not click with you. And then somebody comes in and says, "Hey, look, you know." That's a good word. And so, yeah, look, brother. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think let's uh let's call it. Um, can I say uh, one more thing? Yeah, Real yeah, quick. absolutely. You know, hey, man, you invited the preacher, bro. So here he is. Um, <laughs> that was my understanding of church 10 years ago. So I got called into the ministry. I felt like the Lord told me to be patient. Um, just keep discipling people, keep leading people to green grass and clear water. Cause I was already discipling and I'll call you. So, uh, 10 years after I got the call to, to the front, what I felt like the Lord told me, cause I was very content to sit in the back and be a lay preacher and be a ministry leader. And when the Lord said, look, I'm calling you to the front. I was like, Oh man, like I got to, I got to start taking some things more serious in my life. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. you're calling me to the front. You know what I mean? Um, but, um, oh my goodness. I lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, let's call it, man. You know, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> that sounds like a really good idea. Amen. Wow. Amen. 45, <laughs> bro. 45 Look, years old, man. I tell you. It, it was, uh, while we were talking, I just started rambling earlier uh, while me and you were just on the phone. And then I went, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Right. <laughs> so I get it. I oh, yeah. I remember. It. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Like, like, yeah, you had a point. It's okay. Yeah, you had a point. Yeah, God uh, is good. man. God is good. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me come on and do this. And I can't wait to share it and uh, share it with some of my people so they can uh, hear me babble on for a little bit and, uh, and, and get turned on to you guys. Yeah. And, uh, the well, podcast. And I, I, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. You're more than welcome to come on at any point you want to, if there's something you want to just, if you want to just 
Mm. Talk about something particular. If uh, I got an uh, axe to grind. Yeah, you got an axe to grind. <laughs> we don't care. We don't care. We we just looking to have fun and and, yeah. and share. And, and, and I'll I'll put it to you like this: the whole reason we started this podcast was to get that kind of Christian camaraderie and and worldview and just um you know you'd hear people talking and, and they were all uh you know if, if you have a small church and 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 we'd like you know this is a podcast for small church and they're talking about people with a hundred you know two 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 fifty you know that those kinds of numbers and i'm like 250 that's not a small church Right. That's a a lot of souls to be responsible for. 250 in our little neck of the woods, that's that's equivalent to a mega church. That's going to fill up our little church building. Yeah. Now you're in Jacksonville, so it's different, but for our little rural area. And so we kind of wanted to kind of bring the worldview. So anything that that if you just Mm -hmm. hey, holler at me or or Jake and just say, hey, look, uh, uh, I'd like to to, to talk cool. about this uh yeah, cool. you're more than welcome cool. man good. uh so i, I remember you... i remembered what i was gonna say okay go ahead you know how that works <laughs> you, know, like, you know uh so what i was gonna say is that real quick i'll just say it that church is a gathering of believers in the lord who have been gifted by god through the holy spirit with different manifestations of the spirit, different giftings, hospitality, mercy, words of wisdom, um, speaking, uh, love, affection, right? Um, Administration. I mean, there's just all these gifts out there, right? So if we come to church and all we hear from is one pastor and one worship leader, did we really get to use our gifts? So you talk about leadership. Yeah. 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 You know, I learned this, you know, you know, if, 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 so if, if you're talking about leadership, yeah. well, what if one person in the church doesn't like the pastor? What if the pastor's overweight and some guy just has a real big ax to grind? He just can't comprehend how the pastor can be, you know, 300 pounds. Well, you know, you're, you're six ten, so you're going to be 300 pounds, but you know, he, he's a five ten guy, you know, he's a five ten, yeah. and he's, he's 300 pounds. And it's easy for that one person to just shut down. Well, you're the pastor and you get paid full time. And yeah, yeah, you're supposed to go knock on your neighbor's door. But when you hear that same message from like four or five other people in the church who get to lead in confession or lead in prayer or read a scripture or speak a word in the children's church or get to preach, and then the pastor is still going to get to speak. Someone else preaches. You're still going to talk. You're a pastor. You're a preacher. You know? But, you know, right. And then the worship leader. Right. But when people hear this from all the accountability that takes place, there is amazing. And yeah. you can't write off six people. If yeah. you do, it's really a total rejection of Christ. And we actually want that. We want people either in or out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't want people in there playing a game, following this guy. So I, I, I wanted to say that that was something that I put in my wheelhouse at like 10 years ago. And I said, if I'm ever an elder, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to try to hear from more than just two people uh, because it's the giftings. It's it's and you hear it in people when they share. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for letting me say that. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I tell you what, let's do this what's the name of your church? And we already know it's in Jacksonville, North Carolina, but if you want to give any more information, some 
uh, waiting for people to contact you or something of that nature? Yeah, cool. It's Redemption Church, Jacksonville, North Carolina. Redemption Church, Jacksonville, North Carolina. We meet in a storefront. I didn't get to say this earlier about the church. Uh, We meet in my screen printing store. I do plaques and and nameplates for the uh, military church business community here. And uh, so we meet in a storefront. We, we roll all the gondolas out and all the stuff out, put them in the back, and we can fit about 60 chairs in here. We can fit more. We have nice wide spaces, though, so I can fit more than 60, but we got about 60 chairs that we put in there. And so we meet. We're in the same building as Family Dollar. So okay, we're on wow. the end of a Family Dollar in a store. It's, it's pretty good size. It's pretty, you know, it's a big place. Yeah. Um, so we have a tattoo shop that's here at the store as well because we're in Jacksonville. So I have a Christian friend who wanted to be discipled better, who does tattoos. And I said, why don't you come up here and we yeah. can do disciple as we work. Right. And I get to hear him grow in his witness as he shares the Lord with every person he tattoos. Um, so, yeah, so we have that. And uh, so we're kind of a weird storefront. People don't know what's happening when they come here. They're like, <laughs> I was going to walk in for a plaque, but is this place a church? You know? And uh, oh, so, awesome. yeah, that's the place we meet at 930 a.m. Uh, sometimes we live stream, but we're not really here for the live stream. Uh, we want people to come be a part of it. And yeah, uh, we're, yeah. we're a little bit different. It kind of takes a little while. Uh, if you're expecting to come in and walk out in two hours, it's probably not going to happen on a Sunday. Um, yeah. If you don't love Jesus or you don't want to fall more in love with Jesus, you're probably not going to like it. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, that's who we are. And one awesome. thing that we do is we, we say, uh, we try to be a real family of faith that live with one another, that support one another. And, and we have this saying, we say, if you're going to call somebody brother, then you better mean it. Yeah. If you don't mean it, just call them Jack or John or Tom or Tim. Because yeah. what we mean by having family in Christ is that um, you don't have a place to stay. Well, of course you do. Cause you got 50 church members. Mm-hmm. Right. You lost your job. That's right. Some money. Well, we're going to help you out. That's right. That's what, so that's what, th- that's who we are. That's and right. we try to grow really slow. So uh, that's what we do. Well, well, I appreciate you coming on our show and joining us. Uh, yo, Yeti. Yo. How can they find us? Well, I'm glad you asked. They can find us. Me too. By heading on over to www.bigfootrevival.com. Once you're there, you can see all of our previous podcast episodes or listen to them or read a blog, um, as well as you can find links to all of our social media accounts, even Facebook, where we are most active. If you want to get up with us, hit us up on Instagram, Instant Messenger, Facebook Messenger, or shoot us an email at BigfootRevival at gmail.com. And remember, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power love and sound judgment yo yeti yo we out son love you guys god bless